It's always nice to just be able to, I don't know. It's nice that no matter what is going on in life, at any time, all right, you could be uh, standing on the peak of Mount Everest, uh, taking in the beauty of the highest point in the world. You could be uh, walking on the moon, because I guess you get to be on the first shuttle flight with Sarah uh, to be the first person. She wants to go to space, you know. Or you could be in a prison cell. Or you could be in a funeral home. In the principal's office, I suppose. There is no place. There is no situation in life that we could face that we can't stop and praise our God because He's worth it no matter what is going on. He is good and He is with us, man. And I just, I don't know. Uh, I love... I love that we get to do that together as a family, and I love, I love that we have the freedom no matter what's going on. Nobody can, I'll tell you what, the whole world can take lots of stuff away from us. They can never, ever touch that. And that is awesome. So if you guys will remember a million years ago, it feels like, you know, I did miss you guys over Christmas break. I hope you guys had a great time with your families. I hope you had a good Christmas break, some good time off school. And now it's time to get to work. You're on the home stretch, right? But if you remember back, we were doing this series, The Mind of Christ. And where we left off uh, last time, Paul began uh, by telling us, uh, encouraging us on the heels of everything we learned in chapter 1 to complete his joy. All right? He talked some good things in chapter 1, and he said, I want you to complete my joy in you that I have that's right for me to have in you because of our partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I want you to complete my joy and I want you to do that by having one mind and one love. And I said, isn't it cool that, you know, the whole one love idea, that, that's, that was actually belonged to us. That belonged to scripture uh, before it was there. But then he went on to define what that was. And we talked about uh, the mind of Christ and, and how uh, the things that Christ exemplified. And that's what we're, we're called to this oneness of. And we, we kind of built on this idea that Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of humility. We spent a long time talking about what that means. That Jesus, man, he, he come a long way down for you and I come a long way down for you and I that we could have salvation in Him, that we could have the freedom to sing praises to God no matter where we are, no matter what's going on, because He's with us and in us and for us. And what a beautiful gift that was. But my goodness, did our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did He uh, lay aside some rights and privileges in order to do that? He came a long way. And not only is He the ultimate example of humility, but the ultimate example of love. Jesus himself says, no, no one has greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And sure enough, Jesus comes down and he lays down his life for you and I, his children. But he would go on later in John to say, I don't, I don't call you my, my disciples anymore, I call you my friends. Do you know that? The God of the universe? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he calls you his friend. There may be times in your life where you don't necessarily feel like you got a lot of friends. I want you to think about that. 
the creator, sustainer, the savior of the universe. He calls you friend. My goodness, that's a pretty good deal there. He is the ultimate example of love. And then we talked about how Christians, us, all right, God's done some amazing things. We get these amazing examples. Uh, Christians, we are called to live lives that are reflections of Him. We talk through uh, that. We talk through how uh, the more I understand Christ's love for me, in other words, the deeper I understand how much God loves me, the more I'm ready. It's like the, if you, if you could picture a mirror, right? Because we're supposed to be reflections, and uh, that mirror is dirty, and, and, and we're all dirty. We're never, none of us are perfect reflections. But boy, the more I understand God's love, it's like somebody cleans a little spot off the mirror, and I reflect just a little bit better. And, and the more I see Him clearly, the more I'm able to reflect Him clearly. So the more I know about Jesus, the more I see how much He loves me, the more I'm able to love like Him. And that's exactly what we're called to do. And we were reminded that on the last day, I don't care who it is in this world, everything and everyone will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So even if you're in here today and you're like, I don't believe in this Jesus guy, I'm just here to eat delicious snacks and play ridiculous stage games and hang out with my buddies. And that's all I'm here for. On that day, regardless of whether you think that so or not, uh, you will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's a day that's coming. Now, in this period of time, we all get the privilege of having a choice in that matter, that we can come to him and raise our hands and say, Lord God, I thank you for calling me. On that day, it's too late. There's no duo. You still proclaim that he's Lord. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he, he, you will proclaim. It's, it's done. And so we're reminded that Jesus is Lord. And that's uh, where we left it off. And that's where we're going to pick things up today. And we're going to start... And I was scared to put this phrase up there, although I don't know. This Gen Z lingo, it may not strike you the same way that it'll strike uh, some of the older folks here. Yeah, we're going to begin with a four-letter word. Now, some of you, when you hear that, you're like, oh, what's he going to say? Because, yeah, that, that carries that innuendo. But, boy, this is a four-letter word in our culture, and we'll just jump right to it. Philippians 2, 12-13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And what is that four-letter word? Obey! Obey! That is not a popular word. As a matter of fact, I think most of us uh, in, it will get a connotation in our head of obedience that looks something like this. Right? Next slide. Like a, oh yeah, i got to obey and do everything you say. Or, or somebody might look at a picture of a dog on a leaf or just whatever. It usually, when our culture, when you hear obey or you need to obey me or obedience or that side, of, a lot of times it carries with it a negative connotation in our culture. But I want to challenge you that obedience, you, you want to know what obedience actually looks like? It does not look like this. Obedience looks like this. Jesus Christ obeyed His Father perfectly. 
And he was so obedient, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for our sins. Obedience, you know, because Jesus lived out this thing. Even though he's God in the flesh with us, he's in perfect submission to his Father and his, this, this crazy role that we get within the Godhead. Jesus was perfectly obedient to Mary and Joseph. I want you to think about that. Jesus, who actually created Mary and Joseph, right? If he's our perfect sacrifice, he lived his life perfectly and flawlessly, he never once disobeyed his mom and dad. Not one time, even though he created them. I want you to kind of, that's kind of a crazy thought in our minds. Jesus is the perfect example of obedience. And as we are called, you and I, to reflect Jesus Christ, then obeying God is as much a part of that as, oh, we're very quick to talk about God's love. And we want to reflect God's love. We want to, because we're reflecting Jesus. Well, we want to reflect obedience too. And, and really the command, really what God is saying is, is trust and obey me. Have faith in me. Trust me. Christians are called to live lives that are reflections of the Lord Jesus. When this idea of obedience, you know, we can get hung up in a weird way. And Jesus combated some of this stuff with the Pharisees. They had all these weird thoughts. And, man, I, I love, he's like, you put weights on people's backs that you won't even lift off. I mean, he's got some crazy things to say because they had it wrong, too. Uh, to obey God, it's always a blessing, and it's never a burden. All right? When I obey God, it is always a blessing in my life, and it's never a burden. Now, does that mean that everybody will like it? Not always. But it is always a blessing and never a burden. And I got to thinking about, about life. And well, here's what Jesus says. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, Jesus says obedience, is, there's a weight to it, but it's light is what he says. And in our culture, that could seem like, like whoa, 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 trying to obey God. I mean, so that, that sounds kind of hard to me. I don't know about that. What's the C? You're freaking me out. Okay. Okay. And so I started thinking about the times in my life. I want you guys to do the same thing. It, we're not, it ain't uh, like confession time. But I want you to think about the, ver the times in your life. And this isn't about other people. This is about you. That you regret the most. The biggest scars in your life. The biggest mistakes you made in your life, the things that, man, you wish nobody knew or are grateful nobody knows, the things that you are, are most ashamed. And I am going to tell you right now that for every person in this room, every single person in those room, at those times, you were committing a sin. You were being disobedient to God. And those scars that you carry are heavy, aren't they? Like those are things that you, you may not want everybody to know. 
You know what regret feels like. You know, everybody in this room, something. There's something. You got, you got something. Those things are heavy. But I can tell you with absolute certainty that every time I've obeyed God, even if it has cost me something, even if taking a stand, buddy, that weight was light. Those are moments of elation. There's not one single thing in my life that I've done in obedience to God, and I would defy you to think of one thing that you've done in obedience to God where you're carrying a weight and ashamed of that. Those are epoch moments in our life. Maybe it's uh, whatever. The kid was getting bullied, and I, and I took a stand in the school, and I went and showed that kid some love, and man... I got, to be, I got to show a little bit of Jesus' love to this young guy. I guarantee, even if people ribbed you and made fun of you because you stood up for that kid, you did not go home and say, I'm ashamed of that. You might have looked in the mirror and said, you know what? That was good. I wish somebody had done that for me sometime. I can't think of one time that obeying God did anything but bless me. Not one time. He goes on. He says, I want you to light up the world. I want you to light up the world. Paul keeps going. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. I want you to do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to what God says. Back to obedience again. Holding fast to what God says. Trusting what he says over what everybody else says. Holding fast so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor. Paul, talking to this church, saying, I, I can be proud that I, was your, that, that I helped teach you God's word, that I seen you grow. But he starts with saying, no grumbling. It's funny how I do these things, and every once in a while, I get poked. Had some stuff going on uh, this week, uh, trying to help out actually a family member uh, who's struggled mightily, mightily with addiction. Been in and out of prison, all kinds of, all kinds of problems, and uh, had an opportunity to help. By the grace of God, had some people that I could reach out to, to maybe get him the help he really needs. And uh, the, there's a, a treatment program uh, you know, north of Hannibal up here for, for addiction, it's really, really, really hard to get into. It's, it's a really good program as far as that goes. They'll send you to college. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, this is, this is as good as it gets in the state of Missouri. And uh, all right, I'm going to stick my neck out here and try to, try to get you in. And sure enough, the Lord opens the door. So I have to give this person some information that they, there's some steps they have to take to make it happen. And it, it really was a pretty simple process, to be honest, of what they had to do. They had to make one phone call and fill out a form that took me 
uh, exactly. When I did it for them today, it took me approximately four minutes uh, to do. This is not a lengthy process. Now, I gave that assignment to them on a Sunday, thinking that they would call on a Monday and immediately take care of this. And at 6 o'clock Monday night, uh, they still had not done this simple thing when I was trying to make sure I could be available on a Tuesday. I was actually going to skip the prison to go or, or go after I got out of prison to take this guy to rehab. And uh, they didn't do it. And to be honest, I was agitated <laughs> and grumbly. So as I'm working, uh, because now my Tuesday afternoon is open, so I'm working on my sermon and I'm grumbly because, I'm, man, I'm trying to help you to cooperate. Help me help you kind of thing, you know. And I read that verse and thought, you fool, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You got an opportunity. We don't have to serve people, all right, just for the record. We don't have to obey, I guess. I mean, not have to in a force of a robot. We get to. Do you understand the difference? I don't have to love you. I get to choose. I get to love you. And that is a privilege. And there's no reason to grumble even when maybe somebody that is difficult in our lives needs a little bit of extra love. My goodness, we get the privilege of being the person that empowered by Christ can actually give them the extra love in a world that by and large dismisses and throws people away when they get like that. Isn't that different way of looking at it? There's no reason to grumble. Paul says, no, there's no grumbling. There's, there's no complaining. Uh, this ought to get some, some eyebrow. Yeah, no. <laughs> I get to serve. I don't have to serve. I get to. Even at home. Even at home. I don't need to complain. I don't need to whine about it. I get to contribute. I get to be part of the team. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. I don't have to share. I get to share. It's a privilege. We don't want to... Do you guys remember that? Or have you seen that with little kids and you're like, come on, man, just share. Stop fighting. Don't dispute with each other. What is Paul saying? What are you doing? Just share. Just get along. Come on. Don't. I mean, there are times in our lives where there actually has to be conflict. So don't dismiss what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying, oh yeah, we should completely avoid confrontation altogether. No, 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 no. There are times. But those times are pretty minimal compared to the times where we need to look for common ground. Very small. The, the ratio should be like a thousand to one. We have many, many more reasons not to dispute than we do for dispute. Not always. I'm just, ratio-wise, there should be a lot more sharing than fighting. And when you think about it, look at the difference. We're called to reflect Christ. We're called to obey. And, well, when we don't obey, you get the mess before. And when you do, you get this. Which is better? Is it even an argument? I mean, is anybody going to make a case and be like, no, I like the other one? I know a couple people that I think might try to make the case, but we all know the truth. It's really obvious. It's obvious. And Paul's like, come on, man. Stop it. I want you to be lights 
That's what you've been called to do, to be a light, to reflect the nature of Jesus Christ in this world and what he's like. And there were times that he obviously took some big stands. He literally spanked grown men with a whip that he made himself and chased about. He had some conflict. But he also extended an olive branch more, more than that. He tried to make peace. John 8, 12, you know, we get this picture of the light, and, and we're talking again, this mind of Christ, that we're supposed to reflect him, and this is what Jesus says in John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the light, and they will have that light in them. He goes, we go back to, uh, you know, and we get the picture. I, I, I thought I would do this little illustration. Now, Jesus is not the sun like the sun, okay? I'm not a pagan, all right? But what I'm trying to point out is, okay, so you guys can get the sunlight, right? You guys see that every day. And then in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he says, you. He says, I am the light. And then he says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see the good work, your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so you and I are called to shine. Now, understand the disparity, the difference between a light bulb and the sun does not do the difference between the vastness of the light of Christ and what we reflect. It's even grander than that. But do you get the point? We are called to reflect Him. These characteristics that Paul is talking about, all, it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about living a life that looks like Jesus, that points people to Jesus, that makes people look at you and say, wait a minute, if that's what a life Connected with Jesus looks like, I want a little bit of that. We got a world around us that's quick to dispute. I can flip on TikTok or Snapchat or Facebook and we can find all kinds of reasons to fight. Silly reasons, big reasons, right? Like we can find stuff, the world's full of that. He's calling us to live a different way. Christians are called to live lives that are a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. End of story. And then you get this picture of Paul as a proud father. He says, do this so that I have not run in vain and I can be proud. I want to be proud. And it, it kind of it got me to thinking, I mean, man, have you guys ever seen a proud father when they first have that, that baby? Once upon a time, there's somebody that held you, and they were that proud. They were even more proud than that. You know, some of us in here are about to, about to graduate. And yeah, your parents are proud. Now, I say all this knowing full well that not all families are perfect, right? Not all families look like this family you know, with grandpa and mom. Yeah, we got all kinds of different families, right? And some of them are, are pretty messed up. But man, 
I, and and I'm, I love our earthly families. I love that we got them. But do you realize the family that you all have right here? Our, our church family. The body of Christ family. We may not always have a dad. We may not always have a, a mom uh, in the home. We may not always have, we, we can, in Christ, always have the family of Christ. I got lots of moms. I got a whole lot of dads. I got a lot of people. And even when my earthly family fails, my, you know, I may not have those same connections or that same closeness. My goodness, the Lord has blessed me uh, with, with, with a lot of good people. Uh, and as far as that goes, it's because that's part of his design. That's part of his heart. I want you to listen. Psalms 10, 17 through 18. O Lord, you hear the desires of the afflicted. What does that mean? It means there are people that are hurting and they're afflicted and they're going through hard times. And God hears you. He hears you. Maybe going through a hard time. You may be, but that, God hears you. And He will strengthen their hearts. He'll incline His ear to do justice to who? The fatherless and the oppressed. In other words, God cares about those of us that that may not have that person. He cares about all of us. But he has a, seems to have a special care for those that are struggling, that, that have those family desires. Matter of fact, James chapter 1, verse 27, this is what God's word. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in what? Their affliction. God hears, he sees, and he cares. He actually cares about all of us. Even Jesus now, in context, i gotta, I got to be fair in context. He's talking about uh, what happens when we take a stand for Jesus and our earthly people, our earthly family, rejects us because of that. When they persecute us because of that. And this is what Jesus says. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake. You know there's people that leave China and, and other places because they can't be Christians. So they leave lands. For my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. For some of us, and we may not have a, a good family structure the way that you'd like write it up on the book or put it on a... That's okay. Mark my words. Uh, how many here know about Grandma Dosha and Grandpa Bob and Grandpa Joe? We got a family. God has given us a family. And we go through stuff together through the good times and bad. And now the good thing about this family, look, our... Uh, so, like I said, not every family's perfect, man. We got we can grow up in some hard places. I don't know that my mom, like I said, mom, parents, I don't know that they'll ever accept Jesus Christ. Here's what I do know. My church family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, look, even if, if, if they never do, that family, that family will never end. It is an eternal family forever united in Christ. They will always be there, and I will always be there. 
Y'all know I loved Mr. Gene. If you knew Gene Withrow while he was here, I loved me some Gene. He was like a grandpa and a dad to me. I can't wait to see him again, and the good news is I'll see him. One day, uh, Bob and Doe should be gone. Well, temporarily. I'll see him again. All right, Al and John will be gone, man. I look up to these. That's all right. I'm going to see him again. I'm going to celebrate the fact that I get to see him again. One day, I'm going to be gone. And my hope and prayer is that you, every person, that you'll see me again too. This family don't go away. This family doesn't fail. I'm not saying that we don't step on each other's toes, but this family never quits. This family never ends. It's united in Christ, and it is a crazy gift that we get from God. Paul says, make me proud father. And I want you to think about that. Some of us may not have that proud father in our lives. Paul says, you make me a proud father. John, you want to make you a proud father? Spiritual father, right? I, I'm proud of you guys all the time. I tell you guys, I mean that. I'm not just saying that because I'm just trying to be, I don't know, whatever, some weird thing. I, I really am proud of you guys. I'm grateful for every one of you guys. And here's what's way cooler. My heavenly father is proud of you. You want a proud dad? I know a guy. I know a guy. And again, what a gift. So what's the point tonight? Why, why does that matter to me? Why? A, okay, again, Christians are called to live lives that are reflections of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of this chapter. It's really the whole point of the book. Let's tell you, man, this, this, is, this is why it's the mind of Christ. We are called to be reflections of Jesus. And that means Christians are called to live lives of obedience to God. End of story. Now, are we going to get that perfect? Nope. But is that going to be our continual habit over time? Yes. And we'll get better at it. We will get better at it in time. Not only that, it's not so much that obedience leads to blessing, although it often does, but obedience itself, the fact that we can get to obey God, are you, it is a blessing. It in and of itself is a blessing. In, in a world designed to pull us every other direction and carry all them big weights and carry them big scars. Man, my entire week, my entire week this week, which has been, how would you even describe it, John? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it just, it's, this has been an interesting week to be a minister. Not even just for me. It's the whole staff. I mean, this, this has been a heck of a deal. All right, it's, you know, it's not just show up on Sunday. No, 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 we've, we've you know, we've, we're, we're help working with a lot, of, a lot of wheels moving, a lot of people hurt, a lot of people need some help and trying to help them through it. This has been a thing. At every one of those things, every one of the challenges, every one of the struggles, I'll tell you what, I can go right to where sin is, weighing very, very heavy on families and individuals. And what I am going to tell you is, man, where I see obedience in those situations, yep, the weight may be heavy, but boy, it's a whole different thing on them than it is for those that are running the other direction. Obedience itself is a blessing and a gift from God. His yoke is light. Living my way, living my life, trying to pattern it after God is far greater of a blessing. I just took that dude up to rehab, man, and that dude was ready to carjack me. 
I thought he was going to stab me. I didn't know what was going to happen, and he didn't know what was going to happen because he was so far out of his mind. And he ended up just grabbing bags and leaving. Just <laughs> walking out to the middle of a place he don't even know. And he's going to carry a scar. Could have been a worse scar. Could have been a worse scar. It's still going to be a big scar. And I will tell you that, man, he had a chance to go get real help from a Christian place to be united from Christ. He had a choice between life and death. And I'm still hopeful at some point he'll make the right choice. But in the meantime, I'm telling you, that weight's heavy. That weight's heavy. A life of obedience, man, it's a blessing. It is. As Christians, we are called to reflect the light and love of Jesus Christ, which includes refraining from being a whiny complainer. You guys know some. At a minimum, everybody in this room knows at least one person who's a bigger whiner and complainer than you that annoys you. Every single person in this room, I don't care who you are and where you may perceive or be on the spectrum of complaining or whining, but you know somebody that is worse than you and they annoy the crap out of you. Am I wrong? No, I'm not wrong. That's not how God's called you to be, all right? We are not. Don't be that person or someone that's just constantly looking for reasons to fight, constantly digging for that. And instead... We're called to faithfully live our lives in a way that reflects the light and love of Christ, which, incidentally, isn't a life of whining and complaining and looking for reasons to fight all the time. And, uh, oh yeah, we make our heavenly Father, as well as our spiritual mothers and fathers and grandfathers, awful proud when we do. The fact is, our church, our spiritual family, the church, is one of the greatest blessings that God has given us. It's, yep, uh, we're not alone because He's always with us, but you understand, we are the hands and feet of Christ, the church. He makes Himself evident in a lot of ways through the people in the church. The church is a tremendous blessing. It's a tremendous way that Jesus says, look, I'm with you. You're not going with this alone. And here's A1. She's here with you right now. And here's Chase. He's going to help you out. He's one of my guys. And you're going to walk through this together. I'm with you, and so is he. The church is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And perhaps, as much as it's a blessing for everybody, for those of us that have strained family relationships, strained family situations, it might even be a bigger blessing, which is a reflection of God's care and love for marginalized people in this world. And I think many of us, to one degree or another, can relate to that somehow, in some way. And for that, man, my goodness, we, you know, when we say God is good, He really, really is good. He really is good. Jesus loves us, every single one of us, far more than we could ever, ever, ever begin to wrap our minds around. And that's what I want to leave you with tonight. Doesn't matter what is going on out there. Doesn't matter whatever. Maybe your week could be crazy next week. I don't know. 
Maybe it's crazy now. It'll be better next week. But here's what I do know. I don't know the future. I don't know all the past. Here's what I know. Jesus loves you so much more than you will ever realize. He is with you. I don't care who you are or where you come from. If you thought you, you started way back here and, and you're trying to just... No, no, no. He loves you no matter where you start. What did he say? Uh, I believe the exact words were, oh, the first to be the last and the last to be the first. I ain't like a, a dogmatic... But you get what I'm saying? He cares about everybody. He cares about you. He cares about you. And that's, man, that's just, I, I want you to know that tonight. Please, know that. If you don't know nothing else, you don't hear anything else I say tonight. Um, I'm telling you, my brain's been all over the place. Less. I want you to know that. He loves you. And man, his design, his purpose for your life, that is the best thing. Everything else is not worthy of you. It is not good enough for any of you. Anything else is not good enough for you. You're, better, you're worth more. His plan for your life is the very best, man. You don't deserve anything less than that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there. Thank you for caring. Uh, whether we're at the, the top of the stack or the bottom of the heap, you love and care for each and every one of us. You do have a special heart for those that are hurting and going through hard times. And I love that you are right there with us. And, 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 I, and, you, and you're there with us. You're in us. But Lord, you've given us each other. You've given us the gift of this church to be with you as well. We may not experience the, uh, you know, the, the perfect family structure with proud parents cheering us on. But my goodness, you've given us a body of Christ who's cheering us on and helping us along the way. They've been there, got that, got their t-shirts too. Like they, they know, they've been helped. Like you have worked for 2,000 plus years, Lord, uh, just in the, in the church that has is, that is known your son, let alone for the 6,000 before. Lord, you have, you have been here. To eternity past and to eternity forward, you are there. And we thank you so incredibly much for being there, for being here, for being in us and with us and for us, Lord. And I just pray for each student here that they will come to know your love. I mean, to know it. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.